This is D23 Inside Disney. We are going to take you through some of the best Disney stories of the week, get you an inside look at the people behind the magic of Disney. I'm Candace from Radio Disney. I'm Sherry from Oh My Disney. And I'm Jeffrey from D23. And we're the hosts that will take you inside Disney. So Hi. nice to have you back. We missed it's you the so other day. It's so good to be back. I missed you guys. Yeah, it's not the same. Oh, the trifecta. The trifecta. We're together. <laughs> as, as it should be. Yes. As it should be. So what have you guys been up to? Well, I went to my first Disney on Ice show last Ooh. week. Really? And wow, I was blown away. It was called Mickey's Search Party. It was here in LA. I believe it's touring around the country. Not only are there incredible figure skaters, we've got guys on trampolines we've got aerial silks we have all kinds of acrobatics pyrotechnics i mean all of your favorite songs are featured oh i don't think i blinked once (laughs) can you believe i've not seen one as an adult and i i feel like candace i think we need to i haven't either yeah i want to take enzo i don't know let's go on a field trip i love ice just take me leave enzo at home Just kidding, just kidding. It's a fair trade. Enzo can come. See you, kid. <laughs> uh, I had the sugar cookie churro yesterday. Yes! Disneyland. Oh. So Tell 10 out of 10. 10 all out your of thoughts. 10. And it makes like the best like portrait mode photos on Instagram. <laughs> just saying. Totally Delicious. does. Don't share it, though. You got to buy two if you're with someone. Oh, okay. Pro that, tip. <laughs> good to know. Good to know. And Sherry, you and I both were at the Star Wars The yes. Rise of Skywalker premiere last night. Wowie. Ooh. I took pictures of all the stars of Star Wars. Daisy Ridley, Oscar Isaac, John Boyega, everyone, so cool. Mark Hamill. I mean, everyone. They all look so good. They look so good. Yeah, they look great. How about you? What did you do there? I was a plus one, a very, very happy plus one. I got to go to the premiere. I got to tell you, I've not been to such a epic premiere in ever I would say it was insane they took over all the big theaters on Hollywood Boulevard Mm -hmm. the Dolby the Chinese and of course R.L. Capitan it was was huge we're going to be talking about a movie on Disney Plus that you're going to need a bunch of hankies for definitely need (laughs) a lot of Kleenex for this there are some for this too there were some unexpected moments I will say and there were some moments that really I was really really moved that's all I will say. Spoiler free. Spoiler free, Ooh. people. Can't wait. I can't cry in public. I'm an <laughs> ugly crier, so this is just going to be bad for me. <laughs> At least you'll be in the dark. At least I know. Yeah. Thanks, guys. So we have a premiere date for Disney Channel's Zombies 2. It's coming on Valentine's Day, which I love. February 14th. Oh, uh, what's, what's more the... romantic than zombies? Exactly. <laughs> well, the original cast is back. We've got some newcomers, some new songs, choreography. So Milo Mannheim and Meg Donnelly are back as Zed and Addison. Meg, your partner in the One Day at Disney book. Yes. Shout out to Meg Donnelly. So the sequel picks up as cheerleader Addison and zombie football player Zed are getting ready to go back to Seabrook High's prom, which is their prom. And a group of werewolves show up searching for ancient life buried in Seabrook. So that's kind of where we pick up. I hate when that happens. It's, yeah, just a <laughs> typical day, you know. But I'm excited mostly for the new music, which is going to start rolling out between now and January 31st. So they're describing this as like pop meets hip hop meets world beat style. Nine original songs is what we're getting. And uh, it's going to premiere Friday, February 14th at 8 p.m. Eastern on Disney Channel and the Disney Now app. Well, speaking of part twos, before it even premiered, Disney Junior's Mirror Royal Detective 
already got a second season order, which I thought was wow. great. Yes. I, I've seen little bits and pieces of it. So the show follows Mira, who is a brave and resourceful young detective living in the land of Jaipur, and she uh, becomes the role of royal detective and will be traveling the kingdom helping royals and commoners alike. The first season is going to be premiering this spring. And as you can guess, it is so good. Already coming back for a second season, which is very, very cool. That's great. Yes, and we have something new coming to Disney Plus Friday, January 17th. This is Diary of a Future President. So this basically follows a Cuban-American 12-year-old girl. Her name is Elena, and the story is told from the narration of her diary. So you see her go through middle school, and she starts her journey to become the future president of the United States, which I think is very exciting to see a female doing this. There's 10 episodes in the series, and it features up-and-coming actor Tess Romero. She's plays young Elena. Gina Rodriguez is in the show. She plays adult Elena, who is president of the United States. She's also directing the first episode of the series. Wow, she can do it all. A few weeks ago, I mentioned, you know, after I did my cruise, not to bring it all back to that mess. (laughs) It was only a matter of time. (laughs) It it always comes back to the cruise. Where uh, Heidi Blickenstaff, we talked about Heidi, performed on the cruise. She's also going to be performing in the Epcot International Festival of the Arts. Cool. Parks just announced a few more of the fabulous Broadway performers. We know she's performing with Gavin Lee. Kara Lindsay and Kevin Massey are performing. They just announced people like uh, Sydney Winters, who was in Lion King, Aladdin's Michael James Scott, two of my faves, Ashley Brown, who was the original Mary Poppins on Broadway, and Josh Strickland, who was the original Tarzan on Broadway. Wow. It's always so great. I'm, as you know, a huge Broadway fan, so I'm actually going to be going in January. I already got my nice. tickets. Exciting. I will be calling you from the road and letting you know how it is. Great. Over here on this coast, the new Magic Happens Parade is going to premiere at Disneyland. We got a premiere date February 28th of 2020. And there is concept art of all these new floats that will be part of the parade, representing Frozen 2, Moana, Sleeping Beauty, and what I'm most excited for, Coco. So Mm. Miguel is making his Disneyland debut. That's awesome. So is Maui from Moana. And we're going to get to see all kinds of new characters, beautiful new floats. I mean, the concept art looks stunning. Check it out on the Disney Parks blog if you haven't seen it yet. Well, and then in March... Another premiere back in Walt Disney World. We now have a name for the Cirque du Soleil show that they created in partnership with Disney that they previewed a little bit of mm-hmm. at D23 Expo. It's going to be debuting in March. <gasps> Drum roll. Drawn to life. They showed some really great clips from the rehearsals on the Disney Parks blog, so I definitely recommend going over there. And it's about a young woman who embarks on a quest after discovering an unfinished animation piece left by her father, who was an animator. So the show is going to be previewing starting March 20th, and the official opening is April 17th. So you can go to uh, DisneyWorld.com slash Cirque for info and tickets on that one. Ooh, I definitely will. I love Cirque shows. I've never been to one, but if I'm going to see one, this is going to be it. Oh, yeah. Well... In other exciting parks news, construction has officially begun on the first ever Zootopia-themed land. It'll be opening at Shanghai Disneyland. If you haven't seen it yet, there's a super cute video on the Parks blog with Mickey and Friends, Nick Wilde, Judy Hopps, and they're just working on construction. Oh, is Flash working on this? Because we're never going never gonna to get done. <laughs> never get done. <laughs> it's postponed again? Oh, okay. Speaking of Flash, Flash... Officer Clawhauser, Chief Bogo, and more Zootopia characters will be featured in the land. Yes. Yay. I love yes. this. Zootopia was my jam. Same. And this is the first Zootopia-themed land yes. in the world. world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
Well, another animation news. Did you guys see the new Onward trailer? Yes. Yeah. Oh, I'm going to cry for this one, too. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. It's really all about the Kleenex, isn't it? It, it really is. is. 2020, I'm buying bulk Kleenex. Anytime there's a gem, a map, and a curse involved in a movie, <laughs> I'm in for it. And they also released all new character posters for Onward. I love that little dragon. Yeah, like, me too. It's cute. The fire, it's so cute. We are so excited to have with us today the director and the producer of a movie for which I don't think any of us thought we would need quite as much Kleenex oh. as we actually <laughs> yeah. needed. But Togo premieres this weekend on Disney Plus, and we are so happy to have with us today Eric Sincor and Kim Zubik. Happy to have you guys yeah. here. Yeah, it's yes. great to be here. Great to be here. So for people who may not be familiar with the story, what's the film about? The film is about a man who is played by Willem Dafoe, Leonard Zeppela, who realizes that he alone has the ability to help save a town from a terrible epidemic and ventures out knowing that he may not make it back. It's ultimately a tale of self-sacrifice and it's going to be a double negative, but an inability to not do the right thing. It's also about the relationship between a man and his dog and this interspecies love story, in a way, in which he comes to terms with what this specific dog and what dogs in general have meant in his life, just as he is on the precipice of potentially losing all of it. At the end of the day, it's a a story of a hero. In this film, those are real dogs in real snowy conditions in this real setting. What was that like? Walk in the park, <laughs> Erickson. <laughs> I'll let Erickson tell you. A very yeah. snowy park. Yeah, we used all real dogs. There was a couple occasions where we had uh, dogs that were uh, done digitally only because they were in danger or discomfort. And that's the only time that we ever did. And it was very rare. It was only a few times in the movie. Everything else was live action with the wow. dogs. And it's one of those things that I always was told as a director, you don't work with uh, children, animals, or weather. And of course, <laughs> the script had all three of those things. So we did a lot. But it was worth it. It was great. And the dogs were fantastic. It was great to have that much love on set, quite frankly. And as a director, I usually don't get to pet the bellies of my actors quite as much as I did on this show. <laughs> so you were the director and the director of photography, which you also did in Invincible, one of my favorite Disney true life stories. But I imagine with the snowy conditions, it was a little different. What, did you have to work differently or was it you felt like, no, it was all the same? Yeah, it's kind of rare. Not many people direct and DP on a feature film. It's not common at all. But I was asked way back in the day by Nina Jacobson to do it on Invincible. And ultimately, that's sort of become what I do. So when Sean Bailey was interested in me for this project, he said he had a film that he thought would be great for me to direct and shoot. So it was never a question for the studio. So I've never really had the opportunity to ask myself the question if it's a wise idea or not. But (laughs) that's ultimately the way it's worked out. But in these conditions, especially on something like Togo, we were shooting in alpine conditions with ice axes and crampons up on the side of mountains. We were shooting on ice lakes. We were shooting and chasing weather. And when doing that, working in a small, nimble group crew-wise is a really good thing. So being able to do multiple jobs kind of comes in handy. I also operated B-camera for all the alpine work that we did. So I had my hands full for sure, but it kept me busy, which I appreciate. Yeah. For people who aren't familiar, talk a little bit about the working relationship between director and producer. How do you guys go about making decisions? What's sort of the day-to-day between you two guys like? Lots of bruises. <laughs> um, well, no, I mean, especially in, in these circumstances, 
you have to be in alignment and you have to, you know, have the same vision and rely on each other to get it there. Because of the weather conditions, we were contending with a lot of other issues as well, having to reschedule the film constantly. And that requires You can't make it snow when you want it to snow? Or well, you can it. actually, but it has to be minimum minus six degrees, and it wasn't always cooperating. Whoa. And so we actually imported snow into Alberta in January. Wow. Whoa. If you can believe that. Wow. Who thought um, you would ever have to import snow to Canada? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> in terms of the working relationship, to answer your question, between producer and director, I think as long as you're both, and I'm... Pardon the pun, but as long as you're both pulling in the same direction, (laughs) um, you can navigate anything. I think this film is proof that you can navigate anything. And and I felt incredibly fortunate to have somebody as talented and nimble as Erickson because, as he just described, wearing three hats at all times, uh, or most of the time, was already challenging enough, but he would have worked himself into the ground willingly and happily on behalf of this film and you don't often have that kind of a partner yeah the interesting thing in this particular film in the relationship between kim and i we both cried on the phone together when we first uh, had introduction to each other via phone about talking about what is behind the film what is the emotional arc of the story and the characters and i knew we were making the same film from beginning to end and there's no way you can do that without this because we were tossed left and right by weather throughout the process of the film the one true signpost for us is the script is a great script that Mm -hmm. uh, Tom Flynn did a beautiful job on the script and we knew that it was there so we knew that it would stand almost anything and it ultimately did we had more than 25 schedules on this movie which is I think a Disney record and possibly a record throughout the industry Mm -hmm. because it doesn't happen that you change a schedule that much and there's always impact from it but what we realized was we could not schedule the movie Mother Nature scheduled it for us Mm -hmm. and we had to chase it so we had to be very nimble and light and move where we had to and I think a lot of magic happened because of that Uh, it was certainly frustrating for us and when you try to make a nice calendar and think it's beautiful it all gets knocked over but working so closely together made a huge difference uh, because if there was any sort of difference of opinion it would have been impossible to achieve what we did speaking of great teamwork we've got to bring up Balto so there is a statue in Central Park commemorating Balto but it was Togo who led the longest leg of this journey so how did it feel bringing his story to light? That was kind of a huge thing. I mean, Balto deserves his credit for actually taking the serum into Nome for the last 50 miles. So there is credit there for all the dogs that were on the serum run. And there were many, many dogs, but there were none that did more or was more crucial to it than Togo. And that was, has been an untold story uh, to now. And the testament to that is to see Balto's statue in Central Park and everyone knowing the story of Balto because he was the one who crossed the finish line, but it took a lot to get them to the finish line. And Togo was the dog who did that. So that was actually quite beautiful. One of the most amazing things for me, Kim and I and Doug Jones, our executive producer, traveled to Nome, Alaska. And there is a Sepala street there. People are well aware of uh, Sepala's contribution and Togo's contribution to what saved Nome. We were able to go to the museum there where they had the personal photo books and writings of Sepala. So we were actually to oh, wow. be, read his firsthand writing. And what was quite amazing, at the end of his life, many of the letters that he wrote were about Togo. They were about Aww. that Togo needs credit for what 
Togo did, mm-hmm. that he was the most amazing animal that he's ever had in his entire life, that he was beyond any other animal that he's ever seen, and that he deserved credit for it. It wasn't about him deserving credit himself for the serum run, but it was about Togo. And it just showed the deep love and connection that was the love of his life, literally, uh, for Sepolo was Togo. And ultimately, the idea of resurrecting that story and bringing that truth uh, to the screen is something that we, I think, all feel really wonderful that we were able to do. Yeah, it's such a powerful story. I had, I had no idea. It was incredible. Yeah. So Diesel, who played Togo, it was his first movie. So we just wanted to know, was he a natural? Did he take to it? Is he going to be a big star? Is he, does he have an agent now in a press line? <laughs> I don't think Diesel wants an agent. Diesel is an incredible dog, and he is quite sensitive. He lives in Newfoundland and is used to that pace of life, and I think he appreciates that. He loved the trainers that we worked with, and I think at the end of the day, he really enjoyed the process of doing this movie, but I would imagine that he's quite happy back in his place of origins. Um, (laughs) But he was, as you can see from the film, you know, he was very emotive. The only thing we had to really work on was waiting until he could relax and act infirm and dying this was hard for him because he's five years old and he was like i'm not dying actually Um, yeah the hardest thing with a sled dog is to get them to stand still Mm -hmm. the last thing they want to do they want to run they love to run on the sled and they're very happy so when they're sitting still you get a lot of uh, looks of uh, guilt and scorn from the dogs uh, throughout but they are fantastic and you know the great thing about diesel not only is he a very beautiful animal and was great in the film but he also is a great 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 grandson of togo he is the lineage of Togo as a Sepolis Siberian. So we actually have a blood relative of Togo's playing the lead, which was wow. super important for the film. Yeah, 14th generation. Wow. wow. Yeah. That's cool. There are some funny moments in the movie, but it's pretty serious. Were there any funny moments you guys could talk about that sort of lighten the mood on set? Well, the puppies. I mean, every time oh. a puppy's anywhere near set, they lighten the mood. Mm. And by the way, yeah. the puppies, the easiest actors to work with really way it was unbelievable (laughs) and you know part of it is because by design we sort of wrote around what puppies would naturally do and tried to capture their natural energy and antics and that sort of thing and there's a scene in it where i hope i'm not giving too much away where togo breaks out (laughs) of the tack room and that was all shot in camera because those puppies were brilliant Actually. That scene so, was hilarious. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and Julian Nicholson going like, yeah, <laughs> you go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there was something that we were concerned about with the puppies, if they could pull that off and if we would have to do that on green screen or CG animals. And it turns out there's no CG work there at all. Wow. It's all done in camera. And the wow. puppies were fantastic. And even when the puppies don't do what you would want them to do, it's still <laughs> unbelievably adorable. And, and a lot of that, at, or improv work, I might say, for puppies, wound up <laughs> in the film because it was fantastic and enjoyable. The interesting thing for me, you don't really direct puppies or dogs for <laughs> right. the most part. You patiently wait and you hope that you get what you want out of them. But the interesting thing as a director, you're always looking from your actors for truth and performance. And the great thing about animals, they are truthful. They don't act. They don't pretend at something. They do it because it's meaningful and it is who they are. And that shows. And it's really kind of wonderful. And I think it transcends the screen. The other source of comedy, though, I think would be in the relationship between Constance and Seppala. It was 
in the script, but what was unexpected was the depth of the relationship between the two of them and the chemistry between them that was natural because they really enjoyed each other as people. That's another piece of comedy is how Julianne sort of reacted to this stern Norwegian guy that she was living with. Well, we heard that Willem did a lot of his own mushing. Was that surprising? <laughs> did you know he could do that? The great thing about Willem certainly is one of the greatest actors we have right now, and we were very, very lucky to have him as part of Togo, was not only is he an incredibly talented actor and obviously incredibly experienced, but he also is the hardest working actor I truly have ever met. Honestly, don't think Willem knew that he had a trailer to go into a room or someplace to be other than on set. And we didn't shoot on stage. We didn't shoot in any comfortable conditions. We were in temperatures down to the minus 30s. And ultimately, Willem was always out there. He would get dressed in the morning incredibly quick, and he'd wind up out there, even if we weren't ready to work, saying, what's going on? What are we doing today? He'd be out there with the crew. He'd be feeding the dogs, and he would work on the sled. For Willem, he is the type of actor that wants to understand and inhabit the character, and the best way for him to do it is to be informed. So the more that he trained as a musher, the more that he knew the tools and the elements that he was dealing with, the more he could ground himself as an actor. So very, very important to him, so he did the homework. He worked hard every day as a craftsman to shape the story of Sepp. Despite all the harsh conditions, he is known for the humane way that he treated his dogs. How important was it for you to show that side along with this incredible journey that they took? Well, that's the truth of the movie. I mean, we made an epic adventure story of a true event that was a massive event, and what needed to be overcome was incredible against the storm of the century. That is the landscape of the film, but underneath it is a very intimate story, and it's a story of a man and a dog and their relationship and how close they were and how the dog always knew it and it took a moment for the musher Seppola to catch up to it and that's our story and that's the most important part of the story is that emotional relationship between a person and their closest relationship in this case a dog well and also you know that was true for Seppola the real man there is an award given in the Iditarod, which is the Sepala Award, and it's given to whoever is most humane and treats their dogs the best. And it's no accident because, you know, he really, to Erickson's previous point about wanting Togo's story to be known and instead of his own, I think our version of Sepala was drawn from that same character. And Sepp was quite the humanitarian at that time. And in the serum run, there are dogs that perished in the storm. None of Seppola's dogs Hmm. perished. They were all went from beginning to end and made it through. And that was a testament to Seppola and the care that he took of his animals. Yeah, and Disney has a long history of these sort of true life inspirational movies, obviously Miracle, The Rookie, Invincible. Are there any Disney movies, true life or fictional that inspire you guys? Well, I think you just listed them. Did <laughs> <laughs> I take them yeah, all? Yeah. <laughs> Anything specific out of those? Well, I think, you know, Disney themes are very strong and very evident in this movie as well. But, you know, selflessness, sacrifice, self-sacrifice, heroism, and also just doing the right thing. And, and I'm talking about this film again. But, you know, I think I think there there are sort of universal themes that all the movies that you mentioned embody, and I think this one does as well, which is the power of the individual choosing to do the right thing, 
in the face of adversity yeah. and being a hero. Yeah, I think the great tradition of Disney adventure films, outdoor films, and inspirational films are alive and well at Disney, especially with Disney+. Plus. I think a lot of those stories are beginning to be told again. So I think that Togo is its own unique story, as pretty much every one of the films that you mentioned is. Um, but it does follow in a great tradition at Disney, and I'm glad to see that alive and well. One of my favorite directors and probably the most inspirational director for this particular movie was Carol Ballard. Uh, Carol Ballard did Never Cry Wolf for Disney years ago, but also Black Stallion and Duma and Fly Away Home. Beautiful, intimate, character-driven stories that also had uh, epic adventure and intimate connection to animals. I don't think anyone has ever done it better than Carol. Well, let's bring the conversation back to cute pups. So do (laughs) either of you have a dog? Well, we do. I managed not to go get a husky uh, (laughs) in reaction. Because, by the way, my little blurb here, you know, I think it's really important to investigate this breed before owning one. I spent enough time with them up there to understand that perhaps an urban lifestyle in Los Angeles was not ideal for one of these dogs. That said, as soon as I got back here, I was wandering past a dog adoption event uh-oh. And I brought home a terrier, which is oh. even worse than, <laughs> than a husky. So, yes, I have a one-and-a-half-year-old. Yeah, my connection with animals is, I think, part of the reason that I wound up getting this film. Sean Bailey, back when I was working on Invincible in the editing room, uh, came and visited because we had a project together here at Disney that did not ultimately get made, but we got to know each other at the time. He got to meet my dog, actually, Wolf, Shalico, <laughs> who was uh, an Arctic and timber wolf. Uh, Not a hybrid, but an actual wolf, uh, about 185 pounds and quite an amazing animal. And I regaled Sean with many stories of his uh, upbringing and how he was a bit of a nuclear explosion in a fur coat as a puppy (laughs) and how I wanted to give him away at times and ultimately uh, his great adventures. But the deepest connection in the world came from him. And it's actually who I dedicated the movie to, as shall we call. That story of Sepala and Togo has mimics many of the things that I experienced with my wolf, and I think I embodied those into the film in some ways, and I think he was my guiding light through the film. Aww. Well, and in big celebratory news, the film got Disney Plus its first big award nomination, the Writers Guild nomination for Best Long Form for Television. Yeah. How did you guys celebrate? We gave big hugs to Tom Flynn, who wrote it. (laughs) He did a beautiful job. We saw him in New York for a screening there, and he was over the moon about it, and deservedly so. I think he wrote a a beautiful, beautiful script. The script was developed in-house by Disney through Sean Bailey and Jessica Virtue and uh, Louis Provost, and they were there from first word to final cut, and they have so much to do with breathing it into life and bringing Tom into the process. So I think that award is a group award. As much as Tom deserves it, it definitely was breathed to life here at Disney as well. Well, as many Kleenexes as you may have needed to watch (laughs) this film, I needed more to read his script. Mm. His script, it deserves that award. Yeah. Well, congrats to all of you guys. Before we let you guys go, we always close the show by asking our guests for a favorite Disney memory. So do you guys have any that you could share with us? Wow. Well, my favorite Disney movie is Dumbo. Okay. So watching Dumbo as a kid and, yeah, or Bambi or any of those. I mean, all my favorite Disney moments, apart from making this film, probably stem from those childhood memories Mm -hmm. and loving those characters so much. Yeah, I think that Disney is in my blood from childhood as well, just growing up with the films and the idea of it. And 
not just the Disney films, but also the documentaries, the outdoor films that Disney put out there, which were beautiful and exciting. And from a kid from New York City, it was exciting to sort of get a sense of outdoors and adventures, which I sort of pursued for my whole life. And now I've been able to do it for a Disney story. So that's kind of great. Well, this was great. Thank you so much. Congratulations on the film. It really is terrific. And we can't wait for the world to see it. Thank Thank you. you. Thanks so much. Well, thanks again for listening to D23 Inside Disney. And don't forget to like and share this episode wherever you listen or subscribe. And feel free to reach out to us on social media using the hashtag D23 Inside Disney. And for all the latest news, be sure to check out D23.com. We'll be back next week with more Disney news and a fantastic guest on an all-new episode of D23 Inside Inside Disney. Disney.